Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we're grateful for your word, for St. Paul's ministry, the nature, strength of his belief. We'd ask that as we look on what he wrote the saints, we would be blessed. In your son's name, amen. We're looking at Galatians chapter 1 this morning. I had warned you that I had been contemplating Galatians. Um, every so often people say, why don't you do a series? I accidentally, I think it was pretty accidental, staggered my way through Ephesians without stopping. Um, but I want you to know that because maybe my radical Anabaptist sort of ways, who knows whether in three weeks I'll be midway through Galatians and then something else will strike my fancy and off we'll go into Lamentations or something. But maybe if God is merciful, we will get through Galatians in the course of the next few weeks. <clears throat> but we're at least starting it. Every aspect has benefit. There's what he's dealing with, Galatia, <coughs> Central Asia Minor. Um, there's much, you know, because Christianity, let's just say it this way, because Christendom does not play well with itself, it manages to fight just about everything. It can be turned into a fight. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, look, we're just North Idaho, we're, we're a church without any stuff. Uh, you might not be familiar. <coughs> there is an argument that has gone on for many, many years. It's called the North Galatian, South Galatian argument. Because, you know, it really matters who was Paul writing to. Was it provincial Galatia, South Galatian, or was it ethnic Galatia, North Galatian, that he was writing to in this book? Go home and worry about it. You say, but pastor, how will I know what to believe unless you tell me? I'm a North Galatian but I recommend the South Galatian theory. That should keep you confused. Galatians were, in the uh, 3rd century BC, had invaded Asia Minor. Uh, they were from Gaul, like, you know, Frenchmen. Um, not Franks, but uh, Gauls, who had invaded Asia Minor and been beaten by the... Uh, uh, by Pergamum and made to settle out in Central uh, Asia Minor and they spoke a Gaelic language there in Central Asia Minor, Turkey, if you're wondering where Asia Minor is. Um, they're not Jews. And it seems that in Galatia that some people were coming to town preaching the Deeper Walk Club and the Deeper Walk Club seemed to include during that first century drawing people after the law of Moses as Christians. Paul didn't like that, as you can see in this book. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father, 
and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, there's often, you know, people run through those greetings quickly. They always say spiritual things. They always say grace and peace. Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, Amen. It's religious talk. But as we go further into this chapter, we're going to note that what he said in the introduction, what he said in the greeting, he sort of meant almost thematically, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> we're not just learning what St. Paul went through a couple thousand years ago. With the year, we think that Galatians was probably the first New Testament book written. That's the general theory. Mark may have preceded it, but Galatians are Mark. And uh, Paul is writing to one of the earliest Gentile missions that he had, possibly even before Acts kicks in, he may have had a ministry to the Galatians. Um, but this, this sort of uh, claim of his, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ, is not merely something we get to watch him and go, okay, he is an apostle, he got the word from God, he didn't get it from men. Which is, you know, his primary... Um, primary point. But what I want you to think about this morning, as you listen to Paul, you look at the reasoning behind why we would drift away from following Paul's teaching, what we would drift into, and why we're, you might say, guilty of being from men and through man and not through Jesus Christ. I want to warn you that part of the errors of the last 2,000 years, and I mentioned before, I'm reading a book my father gave me on the history of the church. Um, where were the real believers when all this nastiness was going on? That's the basic thesis. Um, and he says, oh, here and here and occasionally here. And this is when the, you know, these people were killing those guys and these people were killing those guys. And the, the Christendom looks just awful, no matter how you look at it and you can stand back and squint and you always put a cathedral in front so, oh, look, it's pretty. But otherwise, you look at the lives of the people and you go, what pieces of garbage are these guys? They're killing each other. Not just, not just killing the Muslims or, or killing the Jews, but killing each other. You think that Theological arguments get bad. I'm sorry, but on the Facebook, he said something unkind to me. I don't think he's going to be much of a Christian. Shooting cannons at you is a little different. I was just reading in one of these stories, the Brethren or the Waldensians or people who would not deny in Protestant countries, Protestant, not Catholic, Protestant countries where they would not join the official church or just insisted that they were saved by grace through faith and that they should study the scriptures alone and didn't want to follow any 
they had their head hacked off and their wife had a stone tied around her neck and tossed off a bridge. Women, children, killed by Protestants. Now we're Protestants, right? You can all say this freely here. We're not a high church situation. We don't believe in the sacraments being efficacious for grace. But there's a danger out there that Paul's warning the Galatians and it hangs on this thread. Is it through Jesus Christ or is it from men and through men? I am astonished. This is right out of the boxes. Introduction. I didn't get this through men. You also received grace and peace from God the Father. You received something directly from the Lord. Just like I received something directly from the Lord. It's not from men, but through Jesus Christ and from God the Father. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. You too are the recipients from a metaphysical divine source. Something to you. And then we... As the machinery of Christianity in Christ and the Apostles began to engage in the mid-first century, right around the 50s, that, that gearing up happened and somebody walked in and tossed a wrench into the middle of it. What's the wrench? Right there, apostolic age. We're not looking for the first century church. That's not what we're designing here. Because the first century church had people quickly deserting him who called them. I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. I, as you mature... I encourage you to read Christian history. You'll get a very dim view of man. And you'll wonder, people on the surface as they sit in pews around the country they, they, and they become more and more ignorant of theology, they go, why can't we all, this is the Rodney King, get along? Why can't we just be ecumenical? Why can't we have Christian unity? I'll just lay these things aside. John Hill, I think, posted something about Chesterton, um, who I generally despise and is damned eternally. But besides that, he can say really funny things, you know, um, about the, the tolerant man is the person who lacks convictions. You know, there's, there's something along those lines. So you've got all these mindless people without a thought in their head, without a decision made about anything. They can't see why we can't all go down and have a beer together and, and just agree. Why can't we all just be compromisers? You see it in, in politics, right? Why do the Republicans and the Democrats always have to fight? Why can't they just be moderate, like somebody who doesn't have an idea? Because that's what it takes, folks to be moderate is not have a clue. Because once you have an answer, you're an extremist. Once you have an answer, you're an extremist. Now, the question is, how do I... get so confused about 
Christian history. Why do I get so embarrassed? What could we do to not be this way? You say, Evan, you're not helping by encouraging extremism. Paul seems to think that it's astonishing that Christians would fall for this, that it was so quick, right? I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him. What made us so available to the deception? Now, Paul is not on the, on the side in this passage, you're going to find out. Paul's not on the side of those who just say, you know, getting along, everybody compromising, everybody is the, is the end good. Some people think that peace is in everyone not having a position sufficiently. Peace is not everyone, you know, if you're a futilitarian, as I am, uh, you believe that you know, people are going to be wrong about everything forever, amen. Peace is going to come through other sources entirely because people will be bad, people will be wrong, I will be wrong, just not as much. But there's a desertion of the gospel. People that are troubling us and perverting things, because we became available, because, because some sort of uh, whenever something starts to win you over that you know you shouldn't be into, it starts to make, you, you, there's a certain weakening of your resolve or your position that you need to study. You say, why am I becoming so available? Why do I um, fall for it? Well, there's a passage on um, Timothy about weak women. No, of course, not you ladies. I'm sure that none of you struggle with this. He says, who are burdened with sins and swayed by various impulses and who will listen to anybody and never come to a knowledge of the truth. The world is filled with men who are idiots, women who are idiots, children who are idiots, old people who are idiots. And we have to, as we try to stand faithful to God as Paul suggests, he's the apostle, we're trying to see if the spirit in us matches the spirit in him, and he says, you know, it's kind of important that you keep from being led astray to a different gospel. Now, we're going to be passing out blue books here later in the service, and you're going to write out what you think the saving message is. We're not passing those out, but I want you to be framing up. If someone walked up to me today and said, what must I do to be saved? I would say, let's go talk to the pastor. Would I say, let's go, um, here, let me get you this book by John Stott, or C.S. Lewis, or whoever you want to recommend. Uh, what must I do to be saved? What is the gospel? What will cause a man to pass from death to life? Paul's seeing the Galatians deserting that, astonishingly quickly. to a different gospel. He says, not that there is a different gospel, but it's a message, the good news of the kingdom of heaven was being troubled. Verse 7, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now Paul is, 
This is a, 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 what I want you to be thinking about, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. Now, isn't Paul just going like every other religious leader? Hey, my ministry. Isn't it always what pastors with small congregations say when, you know, that they, they, they start talking very insightfully and subtly about how the real kingdom is in heaven? And it really doesn't matter that there's only 50 people. Isn't Paul hiding? When Paul does this, he does this in Corinthians too. He applies it to himself to let you know where he thinks the authority of the gospel he preaches, that message, where does that rest? He says, but even if we He's not resting it on their loyalty to him. He said, if I came back to you and told you something different, if I showed up next week with a different insight on the law of Moses, including suggesting that the saints keep the law of Moses, I don't care what part of it. Paul fought this battle faithfully and he was going to apply it to himself. They were not there because he had preached to them, yes, but he had preached Christ and him crucified. It was not him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He was representing, as faithfully as a man could, an introduction of each individual saint to Jesus Christ, not to St. Paul, and they belong to Paul's group, and then Paul would intercede to God for them. There are so many cults of personality out there in the history of Christianity. You really have to watch men fight off that urge to put themselves a little bit more forward in someone's spiritual life, where your opinion, what must I think, remember years ago I was teaching at the School of Practical Christianity and one of the guys came out and said, I really don't like this. When Busby is in here teaching, he says one thing about this passage, and you came in here and said something entirely different. The school should get to you know, some sort of point where they agree and just tell us what to believe. People want that. That's why we don't have a statement of faith. That's why we don't tell you what to believe. That's why you get to be a Lutheran and come here, an Anglican and come here, and a Baptist and come here. Because... You know, I think Evan has some theology, and it's probably really wrong. But he doesn't seem to mind me being here, as long as I know the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as I have this from Jesus Christ, what I got from him. Paul says, even if I told you something different, even if it was apostolic. And we trust the apostles. But he says, even that's not high enough. It's or an angel says, hey, okay, an apostle comes to town and says, okay, what I wrote in Galatians, okay, that's all done. We're now going to be uh, following the Jewish law. How many Christians would go, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we like that. Get that little ringlets going. Funny little thing tied to your forehead. But some of you go, no, eh, I'm going to go for that. He said, even if we, we don't do that for the apostles, or an angel from heaven, 
Why are we available for deception? We're not, we're not trying to please the living God. We're trying, we're trying to impress somebody who's important or make our own selves seem important. It's more secure about our self-image because I'm not sure where I stand or why I stand there. Has your experience with the gospel of Jesus Christ been such a world-changing, self-changing event in your comprehension that you don't need to go please the pastor? You don't need to go please the history of Christianity. There are people who feel a little awkward thinking something that they wonder if anybody else in the history of Christendom has ever thought it, because that would make them insecure. You become available when you become insecure about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in you. He says, even if we are an angel from heaven, oh God, you can imagine the weight. Evan's up here preaching one day. Suddenly, the cloister or the chancel opens, the heaven opens. And the spirit of the Apostle Paul descends to the ground, pushing me aside as if I were a sack of potatoes. He stepped to the microphone and said, I've got a new word from the Lord. I am the Apostle Paul. And you know, in your hearts, he really is. And not only that, the chancel opens even bigger until the Swinton comes down with wings. Up. She's played the Archangel Gabriel in the movie Constantine, but she looks like an angel. Uh, she comes down and her wings really spread out and you're like wetting your pants out there because you're saying I'm having a religious experience an apostle and the archangel. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you let him be accursed. Oh, but it's so ancient. It's the apostolic fathers. It's an angel. They've been published. His picture was really big on the back of the book. People really, he's important. Is your security in Jesus Christ? Well, these guys are very benefits. I like the angels. I like it if Gabriel showed up. I'd really prefer that he would say, whatever you guys are doing, looks great. I'm out of here. Paul seems to think, you don't often <clears throat> get a chance to say, damn it all to hell, but this is one of those situations. Because Paul goes to town on it. As we've said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you have received, let him be accursed. Damn them all to hell. That's what it means. Anathema said. Let it be damned. I was just reading in their Christianity, preparing for Tuesday night's reading, and, and uh, Lewis says, calls something damn nonsense. And he has a footnote. Some people have written to me that I'm violating something about, he was Anglican, so they say damn a lot. He said, this is damn nonsense. <laughs> this is nonsense of the bit. <laughs> so, every so often you get that, oh, man, Mom would want me to say, darn it all to heck, or uh, whatever the, you know, put Hades in there instead. Well, Hades is not as bad as hell, and, because Christians don't say hell. But here, St. Paul seems to think that this issue, 
When you start becoming available to false teachers or teachers who are just going to tweak the gospel in you that you don't know, what you received from the Lord Jesus Christ, when you believed in his name, because it wasn't St. Paul who saved you, it wasn't the church who saved you, it wasn't the apostolic tradition that saved you, it was not church history that saved you, it was not the sacraments that saved you, Why would we set ourselves up for that? Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still pleasing men, I should not be a servant of Christ. That's the memorable verse. I put that down at the bottom. That's right there in the middle. Paul says, I don't care to please men in this matter. I hold to what the Lord delivered to me. Do you understand whether or not the beliefs you hold... Now, you want to know whether it's the same belief as these other lovely people that you're sitting with. People say, you know, I believe in Jesus. They go, yeah, yeah, we do too. I believe he was the Son of God. Yeah. Died for our sins. Yeah. I believe in cannibalism. No, no. <laughs> not, not cannibalism. Just in the Lord's Supper. Okay, just a little bit. But not real cannibalism, not transubstantiation. No. But if I operate from an insecure position, if I have to build a faith that is based on what a bunch of men, however important they may have been, however smart they have, may have been, if I build... On that, I'm going to fit in really well with church history. I mean, really, I mean, you're going to, if you can look in a, in a you know, soft focus way back at church history and, and speak highly of, you know, I get a little nervous about Martin Luther. I get a little nervous about John Calvin, Zwingli, Melanchthon, and all the rest. I want to look for those who are wonderfully changed and didn't act just like everybody else acted. It's not just doctrine. We heard this from man. Because look at verse 11. I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. And it's sort of preached by me, not man's gospel. He wants them to know where he got it. He wants them to know that this is something that is not merely the you know rooted or primarily based in man's attempt to have religions that we control and we control people by controlling religion. He wants them to know that he received the message he preached from God. I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and had called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with flesh and blood. 
That's the key point. I did not confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia, and again I returned to Damascus. Now Paul, he gets saved on the road to Damascus, gets healed of his blindness by Ananias, and, and becomes a Christian. It's not Jerusalem. All the apostles are in Jerusalem Paul started preaching the gospel. He knew he had received what he had received in grace. He knew he had received it from God. Now you say, okay, yeah, Jesus speaks to him on the road. That's a big conversion experience. We did not, you know, you may have signed the card in the youth group, or you may have walked an aisle someplace, or you may have, I don't know what you did. You may have, I knelt beside my bed in October of 51 years ago. But the point was, for him inside of him, the person he had met and the person he had believed on, the person he had cried out to, was God himself. Because it's important that the Galatians know that what he preached to them when he preached it to them was not something that had been worked out at theological school. It was not something the denomination of, of Paulians had worked out at seminary. He wants to make sure that they know that he got it from God. We want to be able to tell the difference between our desire to please men and what we believe find ourselves more secure because we, we got the acceptance of somebody like the pastor, I'd much rather have you disagree with me. Much rather have you disagree with me and know Jesus Christ. When you get insecure, you start wanting to have other people make decisions for you. Well, what should I get? What should I, which video should I check out? What, what kind of health care should I have? Please help me. You're going to end up being an emasculated, kept human being, not worthy of the name human. Is the church dictating to you? You say, well, aren't you dictating to us right now, old philosopher? telling you. But you need, the question you have to ask, the one you want, I want you to go home with, is not whether, because Paul already admitted, I preached this to you, but I want you to know about the nature of my gospel, its metaphysical root. And that's what each one of you needs to claim. I heard it from so-and-so, I heard it from Billy Graham, I heard it from Chuck Colson, I heard it from some famous Christian, I read a book, some, my parents preached the gospel to me, I believe them because they're good people, but, but who I was believing, if I don't move to who it is, my faith is in their faith. My faith is not in Jesus Christ. A pastor can announce Jesus Christ, but you've got to then go, oh, and then look at Jesus Christ to go, how do I deal with you, sir? How do I deal with the Lord?
in Acts 9. It says in the synagogues, this is before he went and talked to anybody in Jerusalem. And in the synagogues, immediately he proclaimed Jesus, saying, right after Paul becomes a Christian, he is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made a havoc in Jerusalem of those who were called on this name? And he has come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Hadn't checked, hadn't gone to seminary, just had had this experience with the Lord God. The benefit of the church, you say, you're always doing this to the church, kicking it around and stuff. What's the benefit of the church? It's a blessing. But Jesus Christ you could have on a desert island all by yourself. It'd be nice to have a church. It'd be nice to have the fellowship of other believers. It'd be a chance for your love to function. But this is not, you are not the answer to the other people here. We found the answer. We brought it to church. You individually need to have believed in Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't even check it out with the apostles. He's telling the Galatians on his argument that this was not from man but from God. That I didn't go check for minimally three years. I did not confer with flesh or blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia, and again I returned to Damascus. It's about into Arabia, Nabataean Arabia, is a, a, a tributary country uh, on the eastern side of, of, of Palestine. And it goes up to Damascus at this point. And, uh, and so he goes into Arabia and comes back. Then he says, then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But he's arguing that they may not have talked about anything. In the first verse of chapter 2, he says, then again after 14 years I went up to check to see whether I had run in vain. Oops. <laughs> What's that phrase I really wish we could use? Um... <laughs> I uh, can't use it for that. Can't the phone system? He says after 14 years he went up to check and talked to the apostles. He's arguing here that in the, 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 the three-year trip he didn't have many many days in, in Jerusalem. He just met James and Peter. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing you do, to you before God, I do not lie. He's insisting on this point. He's saying I want you to know. That the power of the gospel I preach, that even I could not, without damning myself, or an angel could not, without being damned, change. Do you understand how important it is for you to know the truth of God himself about the gospel that saves? Whoever you heard it from, if you can only look at them, if you can't meet the living God in the circumstance, step away. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still not known by sight to the churches of Christ in Judea. They only heard it said, He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. What's your experience? Do you know this? Are you just hoping that people who think about it all the time, you know, say, oh, okay, I'm a pastor, I get to sit in my library and go, hmm, grab my Bible, look at different pages, hmm, 
take notes, write things down. And somebody in the rest of the church goes, well, I'm just working here at the stinker station pumping gas for people. Like, don't do that anymore, do they? I'm in Oregon pumping gas for people. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not really smart enough to think about these things, but Pastor Wilson, he does. I just trust he's got it all worked out. Not good enough. You are not saved by your faith in my faith. You are saved by your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have confidence that what you've received is from God? He knows, you know the source of your, the change in your life. You know what he, what you have gone through, what you, how you have changed. All I know, can you say, is I've been changed remarkably. Others can see the change. They said, we heard about this guy. He persecuted these people, persecuted the Christians. And now he's on their side. I it was a pretty dramatic change for Paul. Well, some of you have been through pretty dramatic changes. Look at that. What worked the power in you? Was it St. Paul? But he wasn't crucified for you. You weren't baptized in the name of Paul, as he says in Corinthians. Nor were you baptized in the name of all souls Christian. Nor were you saved because we have pews. The grace to you and the peace to you is from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just Christian wording. That's not just us trying to use some semblance of a Trinitarian formulation so it'll get more magic and more oomph in it. It's not rhetoric. We're not believing a rhetoric of religion. Whatever the case, the believers should hold fast to the gospel that is the true gospel, the saving gospel, and not listen to other gospels because those are damnable. And we should watch out for the things that make us available to that nonsense. That you are not in touch with the work of God in you. Paul has to put out the work of God in him. In the next chapters, he puts out the work of God in the Galatians and says, how could you be so dumb? How can you be so foolish? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What happened to you and where did it come from? Whatever the case, that's where you should be. You should examine where your faith has rested. You should examine whether the change has happened and that your glorification then does not go to the church you attend. The movement you're a part of, it's not a team we're rooting for like the Seahawks. It's the Lord. And you glorify God because of this gospel. You can be entirely right. I have suffered under that problem. It's a struggle. I'd like to tell you exactly how you too could join the cult. You could learn all sorts of things from all sorts of believers. And God bless them. There's brilliant men out there written some great books. I recommend studying those things. But our gospel is from the Lord. 
Our gospel's from the Lord. And the work of the divine in your life has got to see and have a divine effect. Don't get led astray. Let's thank God. Lord, we are grateful. Hold us fast to you and your Son and the power of your grace and peace that we would have the confidence and the security that you, the great God, have worked in us. That we would not cheapen this experience by allowing ourselves to be led astray to gospels that suit the power interests of others. This is your power, your faith, your son's gift to man, and we'd ask that we would be faithful to it. In your son's name, amen.